I'll introduce us. Okay, good. Okay. Hey, what's up? It's uh, Bucking One Solved. Back at it. Uh, 2019. Woo! Woo! Um, again, I'm Catherine Matthews. I'm Amy Coles. And today, sadly, Sam has passed on. <laughs> and so we're talking about how she's haunting us yep, on this episode yep. of the podcast. So if you hear any little squeaks or noises or crashes, it's probably just it's Sam saying Sam. hey. Yeah, she just yeah. wants to be involved. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. So whoever murdered her, you know, is gonna... gonna what is it? It's Amy! <laughs> <laughs> no! Don't tell me! She just... She did shush! Okay. <laughs> anyway, this week we are talking about the Circleville letters. Which and I haven't heard of, yeah. but it sounds creepy. Yeah, it really is. I got, um, oh, that's how I found it. I saw it on an episode of Drunk History. Oh! So, I love yeah. Drunk History. Yeah, Drunk History is so good. Mm-hmm. I want to recreate it. We should. We should. That's yep. actually, Henry and I talked about that. That's a good idea. <laughs> anyway, yeah, <laughs> let's get on to it, Amy. Okay, so, Circleville is a small town in Ohio. In Ohio? No. Ohio. 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 <laughs> It's been a long time since we've actually talked (laughs) to other people. The kind of place where everyone knows everyone. But starting in 1976, sinister, sexually explicit, and threatening letters began to appear in the mailboxes of Circleville residents. All were postmarked from nearly Columbus, or nearby Nearby Columbus, Columbus. Ohio, and none included a return address. Only one person's letters have been well documented. Those of Mary Gillespie? Alright, so let's get into the timeline. In 1976, several Circle, Circleville, Ohio residents began receiving strange letters detailing personal information about their lives. Bus driver Mary Gillespie was accused of a suppo- supposed non-existent affair with the superintendent of schools. The writer told Mary that he slash she had been observing her house and knew she had children. It was postmarked Columbus, Ohio, but had no return address. Within eight days, Mary received a similar letter. She kept the letters to herself until her husband, Ron, received one as well. The letter stated that if Ron did not stop his wife's affair, his life would be in danger. So, basically, all the residents kind of got these letters, Mm -hmm. and it was just Mary Gillespie that uh, was documented so much because there was more breaking of the law with her yeah. case. Was it's it? like Gossip Girl in the olden days. I never watched Gossip Girl. You didn't? Oh, no. that made me who I am today. Aww. <laughs> that explains a lot. <laughs> anyway, so um, Amy's going to read uh, the letter that she received. Yeah, so it says, stay away from Massey. Don't lie when questioned about knowing him. I know where you live. I've been observing your house and know you have children. This is no joke. Please take it serious. Everyone concerned has been notified, and everything will be over soon. That's threatening. Mm, it is. But kind of how would they know about it? So, um, mm. we'll talk about more about the affair later, but she, she said she denied it. Right. So, I don't I don't know. I mean, we'll talk about that later. So, I don't know how they would know. No. Unless it they... was the guy. It was the... What was his oh. name? The superintendent. Yeah. Just that... Like, um, yeah, no, I don't remember either. <laughs> oh, like, we're great people. We are. But no, that could make sense. But that's that's really threatening. Like, I've been watching your house. I know where you live. I know you have children. But um, also the writing of the note, it was like on yellow lined paper yeah. and then block letters. It's very sharp yeah. as well. So it's like he tried to be nonchalant with it. Yeah, but and it looks like quite an an anonymous handwriting because it's it's like mm-hmm. you know when it's in capitals yeah. that kind of yeah. could be a one. So, but it's like 
when they were like writing it out, they were like, well, I don't want to be the stereotype and use magazine cutouts. Which so. I think he should have done. It would have been more spookier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That creepy. Yeah. I'm going to start like sending out like invitations just using that. Just to freak people out. That's actually a really good idea. Right? Just be like, I beckon you to class yeah. <laughs> this day. <gasps> that would be fun. <laughs> I was going to say, I have nothing to invite people to, but now I do. Just like every day. Like, every day. Yeah. Or like when we meet up to do this podcast. Yeah. We should totally do that. <gasps> yes. I love it. I love it. <laughs> anyway, so let's get back to the timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, after two weeks, the writer threatened to go public with the affair allegations, broadcasting on TVs, CB radios, and billboards. Mary and Ron only told three people about the letter. Ron's sister, her husband, Paul Freshour, and Paul's sister. Uh, Mary had some ideas about who might be sending the letters. They decided to have Paul write letters to the suspect, claiming they know who they are. The plan seemed to work. The letter stopped for several weeks. Wait, how did it didn't have a return address? It did. Oh. But it, it it said like somewhere nearby Columbus, Ohio. Oh yeah yeah yeah. But like I did. Oh no, it was postmark Columbus, Ohio. Right. But they didn't re- return because you know when um on the stamps they put a little stamp over it saying mm-hmm. what post office it was sent from. So actually that makes sense. So how would they know? But we'll talk about that later because, okay. um, who was it? It was the brother Paul that sent them out. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, get into that because it's shaky, you know. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that all changed on the 19th of August, 1977. However, when Ron received a phone call from the alleged writer, the call seemed to confirm Ron's suspicions on the identity of the writer. He grabbed his gun and then left it his pickup truck. How American. Um, even though the writer claimed to be watching the truck. Uh, a few minutes later, Ron was found dead in his pickup cr- truck, crashed into a tree. Investigators later learned that Ron had fired at least one shot from his gun before crashing. Sheriff Dwight Radcliffe questioned and eliminated at least one subject, sub- suspect in the case. Uh, he then ruled that Ron's death was an accident, claiming that he had lost control and crashed while driving drunk. I bet guy was in the truck mm-hmm. and pulled a little bit of a Dexter and like strangled him from behind. Well he said he was watching the truck so that would make sense right? if he was in the truck. In the truck. And then like that would be easy to make somebody mm-hmm. crash. So. Mm-hmm. And Ron was already drunk. Yeah. Because he was drinking, received the call, mm-hmm. then ran out yeah. in a jealous rage I guess. Yeah. And but, it would make sense why he would like fire a gun mm-hmm. but like maybe not too well. because like. But there wasn't any gunshots in the car. Hmm. So, I guess he could have shot the guy, the, sub- the suspect. <gasps> oh, but wouldn't he leave a blood trail? I'm sorry, Mary. Watch <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you watch way too many detective stories. <laughs> That's okay. true. Alright, so, um, however, several residents soon received letters that Sheriff Radcliffe had been involved in a cover-up. According to Paul, Sheriff Radcliffe initially agreed that the death was a result of foul play. However, he allegedly changed his mind when the sub- suspect passed a polygraph test. First of all, polygraph tests are not legit. No. Even in the 70s, it was, like, not legit. And, like, the whole point is that you don't let people do that because you can easily fake it. And if you've mm-hmm. done it once, mm-hmm. then you're going to feel all powerful. And then you're inside the cop's mind. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to win. And then, oh, <sighs> you really need to. <laughs> you, you creepy girl. Um... Ron's blood alcohol level was 0.16, which is twice the legal limit. He had to be really drunk, gosh. Yeah. 
Uh, however, many of Ron's friends and family were surprised by this. They did not think he was a heavy drinker. Well, he might not have been a heavy drinker, but if your wife was accused of having an affair, wouldn't you drink a yeah, little bit? Yeah, And also, like, maybe he just hit it well, you know? Or maybe he was a lightweight. We never maybe know. he was a lightweight. Or, yeah. yeah. Or matter of what he was drinking. Yeah. All right. Uh, Mary and the superintendent later acknowledged a relationship, although they claimed that it did not start until after the letters were shed. Said, now that's shady. No, why would you? If somebody had said, okay, I know you're in a relationship with this guy, you wouldn't then go, you know what? That sounds like a good idea. I would stay far away. Yeah. So I have a feeling they were having Absolutely. A oh my God. You can't, you people, come on. Um, in February of 1983, Mary was harassed along her bus route. The, later, uh, the letter writer apparently began placing threatening signs next to the road. One day, Mary had had enough and decided to go and rip the sign down. When she did, she discovered a booby trap, trap that had designed to kill her. The trap had a box which could knit, contained a small pistol. If Mary had pulled the sign off in a certain way, the gun would have fired. Right, now I think we have to give props to this guy. Because he has thought stuff through. Yeah, that's why I think he's connect he's really connected yeah. to these people. Uh, an am amateurish attempt was made to rub off the serial number on the gun. When lab tests were able to rise raise the number, it determined that the gun belonged to Paul Freshour, who had recently separated from Ron's sister. No. That's shady. Anyway. Paul, however, claimed that the gun had been stolen. Mm, likely. Mm -hmm. On February 25th, 1983, Sheriff Radcliffe asked Paul to meet him and take a handwriting test, which, you know, never work. Um, he asked Paul to try and copy the handwriting from the letters. Sheriff Radcliffe also had him write the letters while repeating them verbally. I didn't know. And then, uh, so after the test, Paul took Sheriff Radcliffe to his garage and showed him where he kept his gun. Afterward, the t afterwards, the two returned to the courthouse where Paul was arrested and charged with attempted murder. On 24th of October, 1983, he went on trial for attempted murder of Mary Gillespie. Although he was never charged with writing the threatening letters, they became a crucial part of the evidence against him. A handwriting expert testified that Paul was the letter writer. Mary also testified that she believed that he was the writer after his wife visited with some suspicion. Paul's boss also testified that he was not at work the day that the booby trap was found. Um, I don't think you need an alibi for when the booby trap's been found because you yeah. would have done that days yeah. ago. And also, wouldn't you have... <laughs> They all come out and get suspicious after he's been arrested, mm -hmm. but nobody said anything before. Nope. I think there's just something wrong, like, in the family. It, I think someone did a very, very good job of framing him. I do. I don't think he actually did I don't it. think he did it. And I think, as well, if she is with, like, a superintendent kind of thing... How would he know? Yeah. And I think... Well, I guess... He, they're gonna have contacts. They could easily frame a person. Yeah. But I guess if Paul did know about the affair, it would make sense that he would do this, fray, or try to get the blackmail then, basically. Yeah. Because it's his brother. Like, you don't want your brother being cheated on. That's really sad. No, but then the fact that there were other letters sent to other residents. Yeah. Exactly. Why, why would he do that? Yeah. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, he didn't even live in Circleville. So... Yeah. And also, I just think, you know, there's better ways you'd probably want to instead of sending threatening letters, mm -hmm. I don't know. 
Just have a family conversation. Yeah, right? Schedule a meeting. Run in and be like, why are you cheating on my yeah. brother? <laughs> Nobody has time to send, like, letters. Right? Well, I guess in the 70s, there wasn't, like, much to do. So. That's true. Well, Manson found a way. Oh, my God. <laughs> and so did Bundy. You're insane. <laughs> anyway, uh, Paul had an alibi for most of the day. However, he took the stand in his defense, proclaiming his innocence. He was convicted and given a 7 to 24 year sentence. While there, he himself received letters from the writer, determined to keep him still there. See, so that's great. They should, oh. Yeah. The law. Others still received letters postmarked from Columbus, even though he was in prison in Lima. Even though he was in solitary confinement, letters kept arriving. Okay, so nowadays they would be like, you know, somebody's still sending these letters. Clearly, we've got the wrong man. But even back then, even if he could send letters out, which I'm yeah. sure they were allowed to send letters. Yeah, but they'd have but, to check. Yeah, that too. But um, the postmark, you couldn't fake exactly. Postmark. So that does. They should have let him that's, out right then. Oh, and there. that's such ignorance on the law level, mm -hmm. right? So, uh, in December of 1990, Paul became eligible for parole. He was denied parole due to the letters, even though there was no <gasps> way he could be sending them. Oh my god, Paul, I feel so sorry for the guy. People were so stupid in they the were. 80s. No, this was the 90, 1990. Um, in May 1994, Paul was found finally paroled. He continue, continues to remain, maintain his innocence. However, the author of the letters has never been revealed. Okay, I want to go meet Paul. I want to be like, dude, mm. you've gone through some hard times. Mm. I'm so sorry. Mm. And um, I'll write some letters for you. Well, no, because you don't really want to, like, incriminate him. You want to prove his innocence. Well, yeah, I know. It's just, like, uh, revenge. <laughs> no? I get. Well, I don't... Well, no, because that's not really how you prove your innocence. I don't... Well, no. You're probably right. So, now, <laughs> who done... Who done did it? Who done did who, it? Who do we think done did it? Okay, so, journalist Martin Yant um, has investigated the story and found another possible suspect that could be the writer. He also discovered that 20 minutes before Mary found the booby trap, another bus driver on Mary's route had seen a suspicious man standing next to a yellow El Camino. The man was at the same spot where the trap would later be found. Yan found that the possible suspect's brother owned the same type of car. The description does not match Paul, and he had a solid alibi at a specific time. Okay, but how many people owned a yellow Camino at that point? And like, everybody. That, I feel like that's the stereotypical car of the at 70s. 70s, so. yeah. 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 While Unsolved Mysteries was filming this story, they received a postcard, apparently from the letter writer. Oh, this is exciting. Yeah, so Unsolved Mysteries, I don't know if you guys had it here. I don't think but so. But it was kind of like a, a, a more adult version of Goosebumps, ah. but real. Right. So uh. it, it was like you'd watch it, you'd wake up in a cold sweat at 11 and watch it. Oh, no. Just because you couldn't go back to sleep. Oh, that's And it was, uh, <laughs> it it was kind of, it scared you, basically. Yeah. Especially, like, I don't know, I was probably eight when I was watching it. But it was oh so good. I think that's why I like all these conspiracies now. Yeah. Because of it. But sense. so, Unsolved Mysteries went there and filmed it. And they received the letter. Which yeah. means that letter writer is still alive. <gasps> yeah. Oh, this yeah. is like Zodiac Killer, but like, yeah. um, on a lower level. Because... Mm -hmm. Not as cool. And I believe this was the early 2000s. Oh, this is so... Oh, I want to meet this person. <laughs> so, it read, Forget Circleville, Ohio. Do nothing to hurt Sheriff Radcliffe. If you come to Ohio, you L sickos will pay. The Circleville writer. <gasps> oh, is this is everything I've ever wanted! <laughs> <laughs> and this kind of incriminates 
the sheriff, though. Sheriff Radcliffe. Yeah. Why would you tell... Because he wasn't really involved. And by this point, he was probably retired. Do nothing to hunt. Yeah, I think this is some... Shady business. Yeah. (laughs) So, however, the Sarkoville writer did write a postcard to the Unsolved Mysteries P.O. Box after he or she was broadcast, and their identity remains unrevealed. Oh, I want to know who it is so bad. Mm. So, since this case has been broadcast, however, Paul Freshour, who maintained a blog for several years... Passed away in 2012. Also, oh, you I can't go. To the circle writer. Oh, I'm so sorry, Paul. Mm. Should we get a Ouija board out and just message him? No. I don't believe in Ouija boards. I don't mess with that stuff because you're always going to bring back somebody bad. Are you dead? Oh, we could we could summon Sam. Oh yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> What's up, Sam? Love you. Yeah. Miss you. <laughs> Why are we looking up? We know she down there. No, I'm joking. <laughs> joking. Love you, Sam. <laughs> Um, okay, so, <laughs> however, <laughs> recent information uncovered by Martin Yan and others has suggested that there were at least three letter writers involved in the case, none of whom were Paul. Mm. Paul, Paul, justice for Paul, man. <laughs> justice for Paul, hashtag justice for Paul. Um, that kind of makes sense, though, because I feel like one person sent out maybe a few letters and then they were just copycats mm-hmm. because they were like, oh, well, I know this person is cheating on this person, so I might as well. We yeah. don't really know the contents of the other letters because people were very, Yeah. it was about their personal lives. Yes, yeah, so you're not going to reveal that, yeah. really. And the only way we know about um, Mary Gillespie is because her husband was murdered, basically. Yeah. <sighs> one was believed to be the son of the superintendent who Mary had an affair with. There's that makes sense. There. That makes sense. The second was believed to be a co-worker who was infatuated with Mary. And the third was believed to be Paul's ex-wife, Ron Gillespie's what? sister. It is believed that their ex-wife's boyfriend was the man seen next to the El Camino on the day that the booby trap was discovered. One of her relatives had owned that type of car at the time. And despite the evidence, the police still maintained that Paul was the circle of writer. Police, this- if you're listening, <laughs> you're wrong. Ron Gillespie's sister was more likely to be the... The culprit than yeah. Paul. Poor Paul. Oh, man. This case was eventually parodied in the series Drunk History, yeah. along with the D.B. Cooper and Agatha Christie cases. Oh, Agatha Christie. Oh, that's a good case. However, the comedians in the case speculated that Mary Gillespie might have been behind the letters. <gasps> Getting the stories about what? her neighbors from the kids on her bus route and stealing Paul's gun to use in an attempt on her life to throw off investigators. As yet, there has been no known follow-up on this theory. I'm getting goosebumps. <sighs> I'm so excited about this. This is one of my favorite things we've ever done. But the sad thing is, I mean, this was the 70s. It's definitely not going to be solved now. And half the, cult, half the people involved are dead, so... I'm going to need to change my degree and go into police, I think. And I'm going to spend my life... <laughs> it's going to be my life's mission but to solve this case. It would make sense that it would be Mary Gillespie herself, now that I see it. Yeah. Because um, I was scrolling through Twitter this morning, and kids are so weird. Mm-hmm. They'll be like... This teacher was like, I overhear stuff from my kids all the time. Uh, one toddler told me that his mommy put sugar up her nose like... <laughs> so oh, no. yeah, I kids don't have a filter. Yeah, I feel like that would make sense, or maybe it was like the Salem witch trials, and the children were doing it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just like—is Mary still alive? I believe so. Because I have a question for her. Yeah. Why would you do this to Paul? Paul was a nice guy. Paul he didn't nothing. do anything bad. And why would you alive. kill Ron? Like divorce is a yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, would she have got uh, insurance? Oh, yeah, that's true. I, I don't blame her. Yeah, that's true. You creepy. <laughs> Actually, I do blame her. She, I, she's not a nice person. That's coming from me. Oh. 
I, I'm a big fan of Paul. Okay, well, I don't know why. Me too. But I am. I just, I think some people are He was like, definitely innocent. He's so innocent and he seems kind of naive. And I just mm-hmm. think, you know, you you mean to the bad people in the world, not, not mm-hmm. the Pauls of the world. Yeah. Well, I mean, we don't know Paul. Maybe he. he Maybe he was, was an awful person. But I believe in Paul. I have. I'm a big fan of Paul now. Get a uh, hashtag get justice for Paul. Paul uh, t-shirt on Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna put it on a t-shirt. I'm. I'm. Yeah, I'm a big. I don't know. I think I might be in love with Paul. <laughs> He's dead. 2012. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Just my time. <laughs> oh. <laughs> on that note. <laughs> It's been a great first podcast. Oh, what a week back, am I right? It's going to be a great 2019. Oh, it is. It is, absolutely. I think it's going to be hard to top this one, honestly. Yeah, well, you know, maybe Sam will magically come back to life next week. Wouldn't that be amazing? uh, Yeah, maybe we will uh, crack out the Ouija board and try to summon her back. Okay, okay. Okay. But if anything else comes through, I'm blaming this on you. Okay. Because I guarantee, like, well, is Krampus like... is going to come through. <laughs> Krampus? I'd actually be for that. I need my Christmas tree Krampus, actually. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. But um, maybe we can find another way to summon her back. Uh, it'll be a mystery. It will, basically. Mm. And uh, then the case remains unsolved. Oh, See you next week. Bye. <laughs>